You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey, what's up? It's Ernie Reyes Jr. from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> When a high-rise is locked down by a ruthless drug lord, an elite police squad is sent in to take him out. But with innocent tenants' lives on the line, who decides who gets to live and who becomes a stain on a wall? Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and in this episode, we ride shotgun in the raid. So this is one of those times where we leave China and Kung Fu all together to check out some martial arts movies from other parts of the world. The Raid, or as it was known in the U.S., The Raid Redemption, is a 2011 Indonesian martial arts action film written, directed, and edited by Gareth Evans. The film stars Iko Uwais and showcases the traditional Indonesian martial art, Pensak Salat. Now before we get into it, for those of you who've seen this film in its native Indonesian, good for you. I've only seen this film with the English dub, and I gotta say, this dub is kinda terrible. I have no idea if it's faithful translation, but the cadence of the speech in some parts is awkward, and even some of the screams sound forced. That said, this isn't exactly a movie I would pick to watch if I wanted Shakespearean sonnets. The film opens up on our main character, Rama, played by Iko Uwais, in early morning prayer. He's on a prayer mat and bowing, and then proceeds to a chin-up bar where he cranks off a few, then moves to some sit-ups, all while his pregnant wife sleeps in the background. Then we move to a heavy bag, and we get our first taste of what Salat might look like. Rama starts out lightly punching the bag, and then in the blink of an eye, he starts peppering the bag with punches, elbows, and forearms in rapid succession, so that it sounds like rain falling on leather. His hands move like lightning, and it's a sustained barrage that looks like it's just some sped-up footage, but it's not. After gearing up with some police-issued firearms, Rama heads over to his wife and kisses her goodbye before he heads out into the living room. There, he runs into an older man who we assume is his father, though that's never really confirmed, and without any further explanation, says just one thing. I'll bring him back. We jump to a city street in the rain as an armored police van's rolling along. Inside, we see our elite special forces team gearing up, as the leader, Sergeant Jaka, explains their primary mission. The big-time drug overlord, Tama Riati, has taken over a building, and he's running his narcotics operations from there. He's been renting out the rooms to any lowlife who wants to keep a low profile, so the whole building's a violent, drug-infested powder keg, but they're living alongside everyday citizens. Our mission is simple. We go in, and we take him out. There are a lot of nervous young cops in the squadron, but our guy Rama doesn't look like one of them just yet. We then move inside the building where three shady-looking guys are sort of chilling. This is our drug lord, Tama, with his lieutenants, Mad Dog and Andy. The main guy, Tama, clad in a white undershirt, finishes his food, then reaches for a gun and heads into the foreground where a guy's head slowly moves into frame. His mouth is taped shut, and he's clearly experiencing a little bit of stress. Tama brings the gun up behind the guy's head and pops one off. We immediately cut to an overhead shot of the victim as he falls forward onto a sheet of plastic, but we also see that he was just the first in an execution line of five guys. Tama coldly moves down the line, putting a bullet in each guy's head until the fifth one when the hammer drops on an empty chamber. The victim is hugely relieved for a moment until Tama rests the empty gun on his shoulder and leans in close to his ear. Watch this for me. I'll be right back. Tama walks over to his desk and opens up a drawer where there are a few loose bullets and a hammer. 
and there's a beat, and then Tama reaches for the hammer. Then he walks back over to the last guy in the line. Now where were we? Back in the police van, Rama's asking about the particular logic of this raid. He gets zero answers, especially when one particularly grouchy grunt, Boo, resorts to just mouthing off back at him. There's no time to explore it any further as the team arrives at their destination. There, the team meets up with Lieutenant Wayu, who's skittish about having to conduct this raid with a bunch of scared kids. But they move in as a unit as we get our first look at the building, which is a rundown tenement that looks like bad news all around. The team gets into formation and moves in quickly and quietly, picking locks and clearing rooms as they go. They take out a lone guard and then run into a civilian who actually lives in the building with his sick wife. Boo, the hothead from earlier, is all set to rough the guy up just because he wants to get inside to his wife when Thomas steps in and gets him to back off. But now Thomas is kind of responsible for getting this guy to his wife safely. We follow the guys as they continue to move through the building floor by floor, busting down doors and securing junkies and suspected criminals. On the fifth floor, we slow things down a bit and drop right into a painfully tense situation when a kid, no more than 15, walks out of a bathroom and into the hall where the team has their guns trained right on him. Jaka tells the kid not to move and for a few anxious seconds the kid complies. Jaka gets his team to lower their guns and as he gets ready to try to converse with the kid, the kid bolts hard through a door and we move into a slow-mo sequence where Lieutenant Wayu squeezes off around that rips right through the door and through the kid's head, but not before he could relay one word to another kid on watch. As the first kid drops, the other spotter is frozen in place until the cops start hustling up the stairs towards him. The kid makes a break for it and jumps through another door just as a cop gets a hold of him. But the kid is just quick enough to hit an intercom switch where he alerts whoever's listening that Popo's in the house. At the other end of the intercom, we see Tama standing in front of a video wall of security cam feeds from all over the building. Mad Dog rushes in with news of company, but Tama isn't too worried just yet. Cut all communications. And lock it down. I'll go and call the neighbors. Tama picks up the phone and we learn that these neighbors are set up in a nearby building with some high-powered sniper rifles, which they train on some cops set up outside the building. They each pop off a shot and leave one guy screaming in agony. That calls another cop inside to the window, who gets promptly cut down as well. Unfortunately, this cop, along with his now panicking partner, were guarding a thug who, amidst all the confusion, has gotten his bound hands in front of him and onto a hidden machete, which he uses to brutally hack at his captors. Outside, the armored van drivers get cut down and hail of bullets while the last remaining cop on the fifth floor gets bum-rushed by the machete guy, drenched in blood and pretending like he's a victim. When he gets close enough, he pulls out a gun and blows away the guard. Fifth floor secure. Up on the sixth floor, the team is trying to assess the situation when the lights go out, and a voice booms out over the PA encouraging the various lowlifes in the building to help get rid of the cops in exchange for free rent forever. Jaka tries reaching out to his various units, only to learn that they've all been wiped out. So he confronts Lieutenant Wayu about getting help, but learns a brutal truth when Wayu refuses to call in backup. This raid isn't officially authorized. They've gone in completely rogue. We're alone here. As the team tries to gather themselves and regroup, the camera pans up through the darkness where we see several of Thomas' thugs poised on the seventh floor landing, just waiting. They've got their guns pointed in the general direction of where they think the cops are, but they're as blind as the cops right now. Meanwhile, the cops have trained their eyes on a door as the doorknob starts to turn and the door slowly swings open. 
One cop lets his itchy trigger finger get the better of him, and he lets off around. Now we go into some super slow-mo as the muzzle of the cop's gun flashes really brightly, which in turn briefly illuminates the cops on the 6th floor, enough for the thugs on the 7th floor to see exactly where they are, if even for just a moment. Then all hell breaks loose as the thugs just open up and empty their clips into the cops below. It's an absolute bloodbath as the cops are just sitting ducks. Most of the team gets torn to shreds as the goons throw everything they have at them. Jocka manages to grab Lieutenant Wayu and drags him to some cover. Back up in Tama's room, Andy gets in Mad Dog's face for taking the fight to the cops. He's afraid of reinforcements coming in, but Tama calms him down. There won't be any reinforcements. There won't be any repercussions. It seems that Tama knows who's behind the raid. He points out Lieutenant Wayu to Andy on a screen, but that's not what grabs Andy's attention. He turns his eyes to another monitor, where he sees Rama, fighting for his life against a hail of gunfire. Back on the landing, the cops' numbers are dwindling, as is their ammo, and they have few options left as they hear the sounds of a rabble of bounty hunters drawing closer. They decide to move out, and essentially corner themselves in a room to take their chances. After barricading the door as best they can, Rama begins tapping around the walls and floors, listening for a hollow echo. He then gets an axe and starts chopping his way through a spot in the hardwood. Just as he starts to break through to the room below, more gunfire cuts through the barricade and the goon squad starts to make their way inside. One by one, the cops leap through the hole in the floor where they have to deal with a few unarmed thugs. There's more really close quarter wet works here as Jaka has to fend off a guy, so he flips him onto his back, then pulls his pistol and shoots the guy in his face three or four times. They are not shy with the blood and viscera here. In this room, one cop tries to repeat the hole in the floor trick, only this time as he brings the axe down, he's riddled with bullets as they tear up through the floor. Several officers rush over to help him, but they only get shot at as well. Boo takes a particularly bad shot to the side of his head, ripping his ear apart and rendering him deaf for a minute. In the chaos, Rama cobbles together a desperate plan by pulling a propane tank from under the stove, stuffing it into a refrigerator, then blowing it up against the door, sending an explosive fireball ripping through the goon squad trying to get in. Tama hears the explosion from his room, and to keep things from derailing any further, he decides he's got to put his pieces into motion. Both of you. Get down there. I want this under control. Back at the scene of the bloodbath, a crew of machete-wielding psychos is walking through the bodies, hacking away at anybody who might still be alive, while Rama and Boo are quietly trying to get back up through the hole they chopped in the floor in the first place. Elsewhere, Jaka and Wayu are also quietly trying to hide themselves away before the machete squad finds them. As they take refuge in an abandoned shower stall, one wild-eyed machete man slowly makes his way down the hall towards them. Just as he's about to reach their hiding spot, he stops and lingers for an agonizingly long moment with Jaka just inches from his blade. While Andy and Mad Dog split up and take their crews to scout out the building, Rama and Boo have made their way to the room of the civilian Rama protected earlier. Unfortunately, the hallways are still being patrolled by thugs with nothing to lose. Hey, do you like movies? Hey, do you like podcasts? If you do, then come on down and listen to the Home Video Hustle podcast, homie. Hustle, hustle. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie out, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.popping.com. All of them in one place for you. So you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the defenders. Uh, but I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> Come out at your boys, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace.
fight scene. So here we get our first taste of the raw speed and straight-up brutality that Salat can be. Within the narrow confines of a hallway, thugs start pouring from the doorways and rushing Rama and Bowo. Rama drops right into attack mode and, armed with only police batons and whatever sharp object he can find, he stands his ground against crazed lunatics with machetes. Iko Uweis gets to showcase the art of Salat by letting loose with a whirlwind of punches and kicks that often get punctuated with a blade to some soft fleshy bits. Uweis's arms never seem to stop moving as he blocks blades with the batons and immediately counters with a forearm and an elbow. These are absolutely bone-crunching hits, and Uweis lands them all while working the Salat flow. If you watch Uweis move in this first fight, his arms constantly swing so that they've already got a momentum going as he takes the fight to his opponent. From there, it's a series of crushing blows that immediately connect to another, and then another, until he can land a finishing move. And man, are there some finishing moves. Watch for Rama's quick blade work, followed by using a guy's head as a hammer down the side of a concrete wall. From another room, another lowlife decides to take his chance against Rama and rushes out into the hallway with a gun. Rama easily evades his attack, then swiftly disarms the guy and turns his own gun on him, and in very close quarters lets off two shots right in the guy's neck. After dropping about 20 guys, Rama grabs Bowo and finds the civilian's apartment and asks for asylum. Of course, the poor guy is reluctant, especially after hearing all that carnage go down in the hallway, but eventually compassion wins out and he lets Rama and Bowo in. All the commotion calls off the machete crew who leave Jaka's location and now roam the building on their tails. Rama and Bowo have to leave their fate in the hands of the stranger, so inside the apartment, the guy helps Rama and Bowo slip into a secret hideaway built into a false wall just as the machete crew arrive to start searching. Hey, are you hiding anyone here, friend? No, I swear it. You wouldn't be lying to me now, would you? I got no time for liars. Puts me in a bad mood. While looking around, the head machete guy trains in on the false wall and starts to randomly plunge his machete into the drywall. From inside the hideaway, we watch Rama and Bowo compress themselves against the wall as the blade keeps getting closer. The last thrust sends the blade slicing right up against Rama's left cheek, with the blade biting into his face about a quarter of an inch. Rama doesn't dare flinch or scream as the blade sits right there in his skin. Meanwhile, in the room, the civilian's causing a ruckus which distracts the crew for a bit. Rama brings his gloved hand up to the blade just in time to ease it far enough away from his face and wipe his blood from it as the machete crew leader pulls his blade from the wall and leaves. Safe for the moment, Rama tends to Bowo's wounds, and after a particularly painful scene of Rama extracting a bullet from Bowo using only a butter knife, Rama leaves Bowo in the civilian's care while he heads out into the wilds of the building. In an elevator in transit, Andy is nervously riding along with two other gang members assigned to him. He reaches for his knife, and before they know what hits them, he cuts down his fellow gang members in brutally gory fashion. He slices the first guy's throat before going to stab at the next guy, but... Because the second victim puts up a little bit of a fight, Andy has to get creative and winds up stabbing the guy through his neck, so deeply that the blade pokes out the other side and scratches up the elevator wall behind him. We cut back to Rama who's moving through the halls when he hears screaming coming from one apartment. As he draws closer, one of the thugs from inside steps out and spots him. They stare each other down for a hot second before the thug alerts the others. Fight scene. The machete crew jumps out and they chase Rama down the hallway. The first guy gets in close and pays the price when Rama lands several elbows and knees into him and then gets tossed over the railing to the landing below, where he lands with a sickening crunch as his back breaks over the railing. 
The rest of the crew follow with Machete swinging, and the chase leads to a locked door where Rama has no choice but to face the remaining four, hand to blade. After a brief face-off, the crew rushes in, and Rama meets them one at a time, again with his arms never stopping. He disarms the first guy and kicks the blade away, then swings and pivots his way through the rest. Even when he gets his hands on a machete to fight back, it's not as effective as when he actually gets his hands on a guy and just breaks necks and faces. There's a brilliant overhead shot that shows how Rama moves in tight spaces, and after throwing one guy through a door, Rama drops a sick finishing move when he grabs his opponent by the face, then leaps backward through the doorway and lands hard, impaling the guy's neck across the jagged shreds of the broken door, where he slowly gags and chokes to death. With two down, Rama takes on the last two guys in a frantic fistfight where Rama actually doesn't look superhuman. Instead, he really conveys that he's working hard to beat these guys. During a brief break in the action, Rama hears more thugs storming the stairwell, so he grabs his last opponent and uses him as a shield as he leaps through the window and falls several floors to a fire escape below, using his opponent as a cushion against the side of the building and the fire escape itself. After crashing through another window to get back into the building, a disoriented Rama is walking through the halls and picturing his pregnant wife when he's grabbed out of nowhere, dragged into a room, and pinned to the wall by none other than Andy. We then cut back to Jaka and his tattered team as he confronts Wayu about this foster cluck of a mission. We're not here to do good. We're here to make someone rich. I'm asking you, one last time, who ordered this hit? Another time, maybe. I'll take my chances here first. Suit yourself. Wayu doesn't answer, so Jaka orders his men to go back to the higher floors to get Rama and Bowo, who they can't even confirm are still alive. When Jaka walks out the door, he immediately gets jumped by Mad Dog. The two tussle for a bit, and as they regain their footing, Mad Dog has a pistol aimed at Jaka's head while Jaka's got a knife pointed at Mad Dog. The rest of Mad Dog's crew arrives in time to chase Wayu, who's skipped town. But instead of just killing Jaka, Mad Dog gets him to drop the knife and stand up, then backs him into the room again. There, Mad Dog considers Jaka for a moment, then walks over to his side table, puts the gun down, empties the clip, then walks back over to Jaka. I never really liked using these. Takes away the rush. Fight scene. Mad Dog lifts up to his name as he goes right at Jaka with a furious barrage of kicks and punches that sends Jaka backwards. Mad Dog is an intense whirlwind, and Jaka does whatever he can to stay upright. The fight moves all around the apartment, with Jaka getting in some good hits, even managing to literally pick up Mad Dog like a ragdoll and throw him against a wardrobe. Even when Jaka looks like he has the upper hand, Mad Dog finds a way to spin or kick out of it, and it's just a brutal exchange of knees to the face or strikes that shatter joints. Jaka takes a hard headbutt to the face that lands like a lead weight, knocking him for a loop, then Mad Dog, relishing the position of power he's in, takes it all in for a second like he's having a religious experience. Then he moves in and grabs Jaka's head, then flips him hard before moving behind him and putting Jaka in a headlock. Jaka is completely out of it when the hard twist comes that snaps his neck. Okay, should I do my movie voice? Yeah, do it. Hi, this is a beardo and a weirdo talk film, a movie podcast. Actually, it's, isn't it a film podcast? Because it's called A Beardo and a Weirdo Talk Film. A Beardo and a Weirdo Talk Film. A film podcast about 
Films. F I L F to the I to the L M S. Films, yeah, we talk about films, don't we? We talk about old films, mainly new what, films, though. Matt, Matt, enlighten me. What, what was the film we just reviewed? Um, I believe it was Fantastic Beasts Ooh. and Where to Not Find Them. Oh. And and what was your rating out of out of the Matt 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 out of ten? Uh, that was a reasonably warm seven out of ten. What was yours, Joe? I gave it an eight. An eight. An so eight. You, you think it's slightly better um, than me, but a dirty slut who just gives everything away. You just give it away, didn't you? Just you? take it, take it, take take the eight, take the eight, take it, take it deep. You know you, know you want the eight. But yeah, uh, you can find a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud. There's YouTube, but there's no video footage, so you just listen to it and looking at a picture of us. So uh, that's good. Yep. And Eddie Redmayne has autism, and he gurns a lot. <sighs> I can do magic, me. It's all started to fall into place. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a washroom where Andy and Rama are doing some catch-up, and we learn that they're brothers who've been out of contact for quite some time. Six years with no contact, and this is how I find you? You have to leave this place. Now. Rama is intent on saving Andy, but Andy's just not on board. In fact, he thinks it's Rama who's going to need saving from the brutal thugs that he's now a part of. And he's pretty sure that's not going to fly with dear old dad. And go where? Home? If I was such a disappointment to him then... Think about how proud he's going to be now that I am who I am. Rama drops the news that Andy's about to be an uncle, but even that doesn't sway him from his chosen path. A resigned Rama drops it for the moment and decides that he needs to get on the move. Andy tells him to hang back so that he can at least clear the way for him. In the hallway, waiting for the elevator, Mad Dog catches up with Andy as he's dragging the broken body of Jaka behind him. As Mad Dog crows about taking his prize to the boss, Rama peeks out from the room that he's in to see Jaka's corpse being dragged behind him like so much garbage. Sometime later, Rama's roaming the hallways when he's called into a room by a fellow cop, Dagu, and Lieutenant Wayu. He catches the cops up on Jaka's fate, and here, he also gets in Wayu's face and puts his foot down on how things are going to go down from here on out. Rama proposes making their move now, bum-rushing their target and getting out quick, but with Wayu by his side the entire time. Wayu offers up Tama's location on the 15th floor, but has zero confidence on getting through to Tama himself. Rama, however, isn't hearing it, and he's about to go for broke using whatever he has to to take Tama down. Speaking of Tama... Back in his little watchtower, Mad Dog's presenting Jaka and Andy's being called out for his presenting nothing at all. Tama calls Andy closer in a power play to ask him if he's really got nothing to show for his time hunting. Andy spins some tail to cover himself, but with a slight nod to Mad Dog, Andy gets a hard kick to the back of his knees, then gets slammed face down on the desk in front of Tama. With Mad Dog holding him down, Tama takes a knife and plunges it right through Andy's hand, then pulls a monitor up close to Andy's face showing Rama stumbling down a hallway and Andy reaching out and pulling him into a room. Needless to say, Tama is less than thrilled with Andy's poor life choices, but after all the carnage that Rama's rained down on his crew, Tama's focusing on his present situation. And what would it mean for you? If you were to die in front of him! Or better yet, for him to be cut open in front of you! Andy, no doubt in tons of pain, answers with something that roughly rhymes with yuck-foo. Meanwhile, 
Rama and his team have made their way to the main drug manufacturing plant within the building, and Rama opts for the less-than-subtle form of introduction. Rama comes rushing in with a guard on his shoulder, which he casually tosses against several canisters. This alerts the rest of the crew, who turn to see a raging Rama barreling towards them. One by one, they step to Rama and get the holy snot beat out of them. Rama again relies on crushing close-quarter elbows and knees to weaken his opponents and set them up for an easy head slam to the wall or a full-on toss across the room. Even Dagu and Wayu get in on the thrashing. Dagu looks almost as adept as Rama as he spin-kicks his way through several thugs and lays them out with brutal efficiency. Wayu takes a heavier-handed approach and uses the equipment around him to soften his opponents. When he does get his hands on a thug, he uses his head as a hammer to further pulverize whatever the drug of the day is into a fine, red-stained powder. Rama gets his hands on a knife and puts the lethal speed of Salat on display again as he weaves the blade in and around his attackers, pretty much slicing them to ribbons before they can even react. When he sees that Wayu's in trouble with two thugs on him, he casually tosses the knife towards the tussle and Wayu conveniently turns so that the blade lands square in the goon's back. Meanwhile, the other cop is busy landing massive haymakers on another hapless thug. The thrilling part of this fight scene is how tightly the camera holds on the action without so many disjointed edits. The setting of the makeshift drug lab lends a little bit of claustrophobia to the scene, especially when the combatants have to work their way in and around filing cabinets and work tables, often using them as weapons themselves. A huge highlight battle happens on one of these long drug workstations as Rama hops onto one end and charges towards the other side, only to have another thug jump aboard and run right at him. Rama slides like he's stealing third, then pops up and goes right into a hand-to-hand -hand against this goon. This fight is just an all-out orgy of punches and kicks. The guys move back and forth across the table, flipping each other and slamming one another into the tabletops, only to jump right back up and throw ridiculous flurries of punches and counterpunches that all sound like they're crunching through bone. Rama manages to get the upper hand after he lets loose a series of elbows and fists that force a fountain of blood from the guy's mouth, only to be topped off with a sweeping leg that sends the guy head over heels from the tabletop to the floor. The three cops rush straight from there to a staircase towards their next stop, but before Rama heads up, he spots a door where through a small window, he can see someone being tortured pretty roughly. As the camera moves inside, we see Mad Dog using Andy as a heavy bag, and Mad Dog's pulling zero punches. He is absolutely unloading with full force on Andy, who's chained to the ceiling. As the camera pans around the punishing scene, Rama steps into the room. Mad Dog, played here with relish by Yahan Ruhian, because he's a certified psycho, doesn't panic. Instead, without a word, he walks over to the winch holding up the chains and lowers it so that Rama can free his brother. After Rama undoes the chain, Mad Dog, without ever taking his eye off the brothers, just watches as he slowly winches up the chain. Rama dresses the wound to Andy's hand just as the chain finishes wrapping up, at which point Mad Dog steps towards the brothers and motions them apart. Not a single word of dialogue here, just Mad Dog's expressionless psychopathy and two bloodied brothers ready to stand together one final time. And go. Hey everybody, I'm here to talk to you about a new fun podcast called One More Drink. It is a show about life, love, and everything nerdy. So if you're into comic books, dating, other kind of crazy, goofy things that we're going to talk about, you can join me, Blake, April, Yo. Terrence, Hello, everyone. and Andres. Hey, guys. Every single Friday for some fun conversations and some fun talks. My mom likes it, and she has a degree from a college. So that must tell you something. Obviously, this is the show for you. It's the show for me. It's the show for everybody. One more drink every Friday.
wherever <laughs> podcasts are found. The Poison Clan rocks the word Nunchaku is Michelangelo. Final fight. So the raid has rightly been praised or panned for its ultra realistic violence. This scene is just a raw, unforgiving beatdown, and the camera work makes you feel every single hit. As Mad Dog gets set, Andy starts things off with a kick as Rama follows up with an attack of his own. And as accomplished as Rama is, nothing is more frightening than fighting a guy with nothing to lose. And that's Mad Dog here. He's just a ball of fury unleashed as he takes everything the brothers deal out and returns everything in kind. The camera moves in tight as these guys just wail on each other, and we are spared nothing as the punishment comes down from all sides. We step away from this carnage for just a second to catch up with Wayu and Dagu as they reach the 15th floor. As they move, they encounter a few more watchdogs, but Wayu, already a desperate man, shows off just how ruthless he's become as they disarm a guy of his pistol, and Wayu shoots him through the head. He cuts down two more guys before kicking in Tama's door and facing him down. Tama, looking down the barrel of a gun, doesn't put up much resistance as Wayu orders Dagu to cuff him up. With his gun still trained on Tama, Wayu holds for just a second, then turns the gun on Dagu and shoots point blank, spraying blood and brain across a shocked Tama's face. Now you're gonna get me out of here. Back at the Kumite, Mad Dog still holding his own against the two brothers. There's a great shot right on Mad Dog as he's backing up, and kicks from the brothers are coming from both sides. He duck walks backwards, blocking every kick that comes at him before turning things around and then unleashing hell again. The energy in this scene is just exhausting, and big kudos to fight choreographers Iko Uweis and Yahan Ruhian for an unrelenting battle that I'm pretty sure left me bruised just from watching it. A big turning point in the fight happens as Mad Dog tosses both brothers aside and goes for a leaping knee drop onto a prone Rama. As he takes off, Andy pops into frame and grabs his trailing leg, then slams Mad Dog into the ground. Andy pulls him backwards and plants several hard knee strikes, but even still, Mad Dog fights on. Rama steps in and grabs hold of Mad Dog's leg mid-kick and uses it to throw him across the room. The amazing thing about this fight is, just when you think it's all done, the action quickly ramps up again and it's a whole new exchange of crazy. The guys take the battle to the floor and it looks like Mad Dog has the fight taken out of him, but he digs deep into some reserve tank and manages to kick his way out and then knocks Andy out while Rama has to deal with what's left. One-on-one, -on -one, there's no way that either Rama or Andy would have lasted against this guy. Even at two-on-one, -on -one, Mad Dog has the advantage because he's just got no fear and thus does not hesitate. Mad Dog takes the fight right to Rama directly and Rama can only react as Mad Dog comes right at him. There's a great overhead shot as Mad Dog grabs Rama by the head and flips him so hard that Rama's feet shatter the fluorescent lights above them. Echoing the Jaka scene, Mad Dog takes a moment to savor the situation, then moves in and puts Rama in a crushing headlock. Rama starts flailing, and it does not look good for our hero, but Andy wakes up just in time to grab some shards of fluorescent light bulbs and hustles over to jam it right into Mad Dog's neck. But still, Mad Dog will not go down. With this foot-long fluorescent shard hanging out of his throat, Mad Dog continues dishing out the damage. Eventually, only the blood loss begins to slow him down because Rama begins to turn the tide as blood spurts grossly out of the fluorescent tube, and Rama begins unloading a blinding flurry of punches into Mad Dog's body. A weakened, probably half-unconscious Mad Dog starts to waver when Rama turns him around and snaps his back. 
When Mad Dog drops, Rama makes sure that done is done by grabbing the fluorescent tube and pushing it slowly further into Mad Dog's gurgling mess of a neck, then snapping it off as an exclamation point. A fluorescent light bulb. In his neck like a straw. <laughs> anyway, the battered brothers head out to join Wayu, only to find him shooting at them as he walks Tama out as a hostage. Seems that Wayu's trying to bring in Tama on his own now. Unfortunately, Tama knows something that he doesn't. You don't get it. You're already dead. You've been dead since I got the call from Reza. Now I've got your attention. It was the name, right? Yeah. Reza and the rest of the suits have been happy with me since day one. Because <laughs> I know how to pay. And more importantly, how much. Why you realizing that he's just gotten dozens of cops killed for a setup responds the only way he knows how, by putting a bullet in Thomas' head. Wayu then slowly brings the gun to his chin, and in slow-mo, we watch as he cocks the pistol and pulls the trigger, only to fall on an empty chamber. He repeats again and again, but to no avail. Rama and Andy step out and grab him as a PA announcement wraps it up for the residents. All residents, please return to your rooms. It's all over. Andy hands over a set of recordings that Tom has been stashing of his dealing with corrupt cops through the years. Andy, now the de facto crime boss, uses his influence to walk Rama, Bowo, and Wayu out of the still gang-ridden building. Rama makes one more plea for Andy to come home, but Andy explains why it just won't work. If there's one thing I know for sure, it's that in this world, I can protect you. But can you do the same for me and yours? Resigned to both their lifestyles, the brothers part for what may be the last time and head off into an uncertain future. Bilge Abiri of Vulture.com had this to say about the film. Like Tarantino, Evans knows how to tease us. He understands the inherent attraction and repulsion of violence. We don't want to see these things, and yet, we really, really want to see these things. The raid, about as pure an action film as you're ever likely to see, wants to have its cake and eat it too. It does. I gotta agree, this is a thrill ride, but a painful and sometimes gut-wrenching one. Iko Uwais and Pensaxalad are the stars of this film, and like other masters in other disciplines, it's a huge treat to watch him work his martial arts magic. Okay, Poison Clan, that wraps it up for this episode. Check out the film if you can and enjoy the white knuckle ride. In the meantime, shout out to me on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, or email, or leave me a review on iTunes because it helps the show keep growing. Shout outs to the Potter and family, the castaways, the great RTers, and of course, to all of you guys. Thanks for sticking around so far, and until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Drink a little wine and get a drink and then we're fighting, ha! 
This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws I see the iron fisted monk before the daily prayers Shouting monks on the hands Running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older than wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pause here the applause Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, David D is coming back The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster The child a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see Maggie chunk his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies, will the hero will survive? We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah, the sky goes black, cut the vampire's back we got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in the mountain style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walk to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood or just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow But she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless Unleashed. The fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place so with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting